0: Welcome to the podcast of San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. My name is D. Kelly, and it is such a joy to be with you again and to take us uh, into the last of our six-week series in the Book of Ephesians. So we're drawing this study to a close. Um, As you probably know, we are a church that's located at 3901 Loma Land Drive, We are right next door to Point Loma Nazarene University and are very excited that next Sunday all of the students will begin returning to the University and next Sunday morning at our uh, church location we will be hosting hundreds of students and some of their parents as they return for a semester. So we invite you to join us and be with us, whether it's this coming week or in the weeks to come. Uh, But if you are continuing to join us uh, via this podcast, we hope you will follow along with the studies that we have after we end this in Ephesians. We will be doing a couple weeks in wisdom literature. First, the Song of Songs, and then Proverbs for the following two weeks. But this week takes us into Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I would like to read that passage for you, and you can follow along in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled about your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of this study, this message, is in the ambassador's dress code. At the very end of this passage, we find the writer explaining that this person is in chains for the gospel, an ambassador in chains. Ambassadors take on a particularly important meaning um, as they are representatives of the kingdom that they represent. And so in earthly kingdoms, ambassadors go to other locations and speak on behalf of the king or the president or um, the ruler of a particular country, and their word is representative of that country's leader. In the same way, the writer, which we believe is Paul, um, is proclaiming that the words he says are spoken on behalf of the kingdom of God. And he's an ambassador for the good news, the gospel, that comes on behalf of this kingdom. But he's writing at a time when Roman rule is over all of the areas of the people to whom he's writing. This is a letter that is intended to be circulated among numerous churches. The churches that are in Ephesus, the churches that are in Laodicea, and eventually it becomes a letter that is shared with so many churches that it gets passed down to us almost 2,000 years later so that we in our church get a chance to read this same letter and study it and see the ways in which it might help us in our spiritual journey. There are terms of the passage that we're reading itself. Some interesting phrases that I confess I don't fully understand. There is a phrase in verse 12 that references spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I never think of spiritual forces of evil being in the heavenly realms as if there is a battle going on in the heavens. I've always conceived of heaven being a place that is void of those kinds of spiritual conflicts. So when I look at that, I have to confess, first, I'm not absolutely certain what the writer is referring to, and many commentators are not as well. But I wonder, I wonder, is it possible as we think about the ways in which God's kingdom comes to earth through the way in which we live. We become outposts of heaven. That when we act out of love, when we offer grace and forgiveness, when we live as Christ intends us to live, that we are in part part of the heavenly realm because we are living in ways that are in keeping with God's creation and God's kingdom. And yet, there is a battle that continues to rage. A battle between our expressions of the kingdom of heaven and those forces that try and push us, manipulate us, cause us to live out of selfishness or greed or lust or covetousness. All of the characteristics that would cause us to push others away, to create boundaries, to drive wedges between relationships, all of those things are things that hinder the kingdom of heaven coming to earth just as it is in heaven. And so I wonder, is it possible that this is what the writer is referring to when he refers to forces of evil, even in the heavenly realms? I'm not certain, but let's dig in further to see what the, this passage might teach us to help us to live out our calling while we walk on this earth in anticipation of an eternity that might be completely ruled by god's God's goodness and grace, I might also make reference to verses thirteen and fourteen Last week, we talked about the curious um, language that was used uh, wake up, sleepy heads, we want you to pay attention here the dominant um admonition, is to stand. The word says that uh, we might be able to stand our ground. And after we've done everything, to stand. And so, stand firm. Three times this word is used and it is not necessarily a posture of aggression, but it is instead a posture of firmness. Claiming what God has placed before us and standing our ground. It implies a sense of strength, not necessarily of our own, but of the one who sends us. But it is a posture that tries to respond to the onset, onslaught of things that might come our way that would cause us to falter or struggle or fall. Or feel like we've been crushed or hurt. And so we're called to stand and we're given some ways by which we can stand. I'll have to confess that for me, when I read this passage, I have a, oh, a Sunday school image of when I was a kid, an image of a Roman soldier going to battle and all of the um, attire and um, things that a Roman soldier would wear to try and be prepared for battle. Well, I'm I'm not exactly sure that that is the image that the writer is trying to create, but instead is using images with which the audience is familiar in an effort to get them to sense their own capacity to stand strong where they are. I I don't think this is written to Roman soldiers. I don't think it's written to those um, who are Roman politicians. If I were thinking about our modern day times and I think about the kinds of things that are hitting the headlines now, the struggles and the conflicts that are taking place in Afghanistan. Um, One of the images that comes to my mind, I don't know that it's the best one, but I think of an audience of maybe an Afghan farmer, one who is simply trying to provide sustenance and food for his family, is not one who is trying to take up sides in any fashion, but is just trying to take care of the responsibilities that have been placed on the family to survive, to eat, to live, to have shelter. It seems to me that this is the kind of person, the kind of audience to whom this is being written. And so when we hear the language, if we were to maybe put it in modern-day language, maybe it would resonate with us a little bit better if we didn't see ourselves as dressing up like Roman soldiers, but instead asking ourselves, how do we dress in ways that allow us to stand strong in the midst of things that would push us and hit us and push us back and forth like a wave tossed in the sea? So this isn't really a call to take up arms. Instead, it's an honoring of the people who have taken up the cause of the cross of Jesus Christ, those who have taken up the cause of the kingdom of heaven, and a proclamation by the writer that says, you're not alone. Don't feel like you are alone. You actually have on your side everything you need. You might say to yourself, oh, they have what looks like Batman's utility belt, all of the things that could go to battle that they can pull out of that utility belt and uh, cause all kinds of havoc. But you, you have the truth. Hang on to the truth. You might look at those who are... um, enforcing or imposing their will upon you and they might have the latest carbon titanium bulletproof vest but you you have righteousness on your side not a self-righteousness but the righteousness that comes from God they they might have waterproof boots with Kevlar uppers hidden foot knife uh, pocket and next generation rubberized grip for scaling steep terrain (laughs) but you You have the gospel message of peace that bridges all divides. Don't ever give that up. That is such an incredible resource that you have that changes lives. You might look at others. They might have a crush-resistant helmet with night vision and heat sensors. But you, you have salvation. You have grace. You've been forgiven by the creator of the universe. What a price that's been paid for your salvation. And what worth it is to you because it brings heaven to earth. You've been reconciled to your creator. You might look at others. They might have some kind of Star Wars-like electromagnetic shield They might think it's impenetrable, but you, you have faith. And we know that faith can move mountains that no shield can stop. Oh, hold on to your faith. Your faith can do things that no shield could ever do. Others, they might have swords lightsabers, weapons that can create all kinds of destruction. But you, you have God's spirit. And this battle, it belongs to God. It's not your battle. You're simply being called to stand. To stand firm. To stand strong. It's not a call to be the aggressor. It's simply to live into that which has already been bestowed upon you. And you grossly underestimate all of the things with which God has blessed you. So let's look into the context once again of this Ephesians passage. What it means to live into these things and what they might mean to us. Just as a quick review, chapter one, the writer talks about this mysterious will of God and that it's been revealed. It's this, that everything in heaven and on earth would be brought together as one under Christ. And I need to appreciate the differences that each person brings to the mix. It's not a call that we are all uniform. It is a call to unity in the midst of great diversity. It is this great task of reconciliation that God is at work doing and has been doing from the beginning of time, bringing together in the midst of great differences, all things in heaven and on earth under one head, and that is Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 talked about Jesus putting to death the wall of hostility that, begins be, that exists between the Jews and everyone else. And we are called to do the same, to break down walls of hostility wherever we find them, to put to death those things that drive wedges between people and instead replace it with grace and kindness and compassion and hope and peace and love. We are called to participate as our leader did in putting to death the hostility and bringing to life the unity. What we looked at in chapter 3 was Paul's prayer and that we are invited to pray as Paul prayed. May the circumstances of our life be seen through the truth of God's love. Much like a movie camera focuses on something that's close or focuses on something that's distant, If we get our eyes focused on the circumstances, they can sometimes overwhelm us. But if we change the focus to focus in on God, God's character, God's grace, God's love toward us, then all of the sudden, the difficult circumstances begin to blur. They no longer overwhelm because love dominates the scene. Chapter four, recognition that we are part of the body of Christ. We are called to be ligaments binding one another together and we all have a job in doing this a call for all of us to participate a desire that you and I be part of a community that works together with our unique resources our network of friendships our geographic location our talents our skills our interests our passions the ways in which the spirit works within us in unique ways that we bring that to the mix and we use all that makes us uniquely us to be ligaments that bind one another together in spirit. That's part of our calling. Chapter 5, we are called to be imitators of God and to live a life of love. We are called to wake up and step into our calling. Called to be wise, not unwise, to be understanding, to be filled with the Spirit by giving thanks, by allowing our lives to be orchestrated with the melody of heaven, to make music, to dance, to live and to love in ways that allow the heavens to find their way to earth. So let's talk about a few of the things, the ways in which we are clothed. It says that we should be wearing the belt of truth. This is interesting in that the the belt or the buckle that was used in ancient, ancient times, they often had garments that went down to their ankles or at least went fairly far down the leg. And the belt would often bind those garments up so that they would have freedom to run, freedom to move. Truth should be that very same thing for us. The belt of truth. I think that one of the ways in which this becomes freeing to us is when we begin to realize that part of this admonition is to acknowledge how much I don't know. (laughs) One of the old rabbinic sayings that I have referred to on several occasions is that the only thing I can really say about God is that I can't really say anything about God. Because as soon as I say something about God, I put God in a box and God cannot be boxed in. A corollary to that is to recognize how little I actually know. That the more and more I learn, actually the categories of what I don't know grow faster and i recognize how much i have to learn have to learn from god how much i have to learn from you how much we have to learn in community i hope i will always be a lifelong learner but i'd like to acknowledge that there are actually different types of truth there's factual information facts that's a type of truth but it's not the only type of truth. The problem with facts, particularly in relationships, is that when we have an argument over facts, inevitably someone loses and someone wins. Someone ends up being proven wrong about a fact, and maybe someone is proved right concerning a fact. But this is not the only type of truth. Truth has to do with how a fact affects me. So it can be true that a particular fact that is true makes you filled with joy. While that same fact leaves me feeling crushed and hurt. Well, my feelings of being crushed and hurt is a truth. Just like your feelings of joy are a truth. I often work with people in relationships. Sometimes I will ask, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? I have had some people say that they want to be right. And often it is a huge strain on the relationship because they don't pay attention to other truths that are very important about how somebody's journey is affected by facts that are often argued. And so to try and get people to be sensitive to a wealth of truth that is out there in different forms and in different shapes. So the desire to hear a spouse, a child, a parent, and recognize how important it is to hear their journey and their heart for the truth that it is. So I'm gonna bind myself with truth, recognizing how little I know and how much I need to hear your perspective so that I might grow and continue to learn. Put on a righteousness, a breastplate of righteousness, recognizing that this is not self-righteousness or arrogance. This is a righteousness that comes by grace, It comes by what Christ has done for us. It's not anything we have done, as scripture says, lest we should boast about that. But the good news of the gospel is that it's the good news for everyone. And it comes as a free gift from our creator. The gift of salvation. The gift of forgiveness. The gift of a future and a hope. We are also called... To put on shoes of peace. This is, in many ways, a summary of all that's gone before in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. This putting on of this clothing, this dress code that the ambassador is calling us to wear, is in some ways just a reiteration of what we've already been taught. The, the shoes of peace... Are breaking down or putting to death the hostility that keeps us separated and apart, that divides us. And so we are called to stand in the gap for others, to be bridge builders, to be those that try to find ways to hold us together in spite of the differences of history, of culture, of experience, of language. Of location. All of those things can separate us. We're called to find ways to build bridges. It's not that we ignore those differences, but we find ways to bring about reconciliation and hope. This also implies that I can't rewrite your storyline. It's your story. I might have a perspective on it. I might see it differently. I might see ways by which I could step into your experience. I I can't step into your shoes and tell you how you should feel about your journey or try and dictate um, what your story ought to be. It's your story and I can listen. And by listening, I get a new perspective both on the world and on my journey in the world, because we're in community together. We're to wear salvation on our head. It's God's promise and believing that it's true. It's a gift of grace, which was throughout chapter 2 of this book, and I simply receive it. It provides such protection, It provides eternal hope. It's my salvation that brings me into relationship with my creator. We've already talked about the shield. This is God's battle. God saves, I simply serve. God convicts, I simply confess. God pursues, I simply love. I have faith that this battle is God's. And I'm just God's servant. Finally, there is God's Spirit, referred to as the sword, it's God's word, this admonition to be filled with the Spirit. And if you happen to listen to last week's, it is a calling within the Spirit to live a life of gratitude, a life of thankfulness, as well as to pray blessings over others through our prayers allowing the music of our heart through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, to be the way by which we think of and bless others. So here we are, the ambassador's dress code. A a dress code that helps us to stand in faith. Not a call to take up arms, but a call to stand firm in the midst of whatever circumstances we face stand firm with the gospel truth and the gospel message of grace if you're feeling all alone if you're feeling like this battle is all on you i invite you to surrender this battle to christ To ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to receive the reconciliation of love and forgiveness so that you might become as well an ambassador of the good news, because this good news is for everyone, and maybe this morning it's for you. If so, let me just encourage you to offer a prayer, Lord, take my life, it's in your hands. Clothe me as only you can. Give me a faith that believes in the midst of all of these circumstances that this is your battle and I am simply your servant. Give me a hope of a future, of a heaven, of an eternity that begins now in relationship with you. And teach me, Lord, how to be in relationship with others. Let me be an ambassador that builds bridges, that binds others together, that communicates and is a vessel of love. For some of us, this is a time where we commit ourselves once again to living into Christ's truth, constantly being a learner, and finding ways to live a life of love. So. My prayer for you is that God's Spirit will fill you, that God's truth will pour over you, that the image of God that has been stamped on you will come to the surface and shine forth as you live out your life as Christ has called us to live in faith, in salvation in peace and righteousness, and in truth. So may God's peace be yours. And if this week you'd like to talk to somebody about your spiritual journey, please don't hesitate to reach out to the church by calling or sending an email. We would, be lo- we would love to be on this journey with you. God bless you. Have a great week.